Okay, hello everyone. This is Joe, and you are listening to the Pause Points Podcast. This is our very first episode. I'm joined by Faith. Hey. And Chad. Hello. There was some controversy whether or not this was the first episode, because we actually are also posting a uh, all-Oscars episode, since we are actually doing this on the night of the Oscars. Now, when you guys listen to it, it might be a moot point, because the Oscars have already come and gone. But we at least gave our predictions and our, our viewpoints, or Chad mainly did. Um, but it was yeah. a good discussion. You might be wondering why we're even called the Pause Points Podcast. So, Faith, I think you can best explain that. Yeah, so I don't know if you guys out there in the podcast universe ever watch movies or shows and pause it. And then you look at the screen and you're like, wow, that was an awesome pause point. Someone's making a goofy face or they look like they're saying something funny or it's just a really funny moment that you've captured. So uh, we kind of thought well, that would be our jumping off point for the Pause Points podcast. So we're just going to kind of have different pause points throughout the week. Joe is going to focus mainly on games the gaming world, video games, computer games, board games, any type I hate of games. Computer games, I'm not touching computer <laughs> games. <laughs> um, I'm going to be covering television, and then Chad is going to be taking over for movies. Because he has a ridiculous amount of knowledge when it comes to movies, and where we will probably talk about all those nonsense movies that are popular nowadays, like comic book movies and action movies. He's actually going to make us sound a lot smarter uh, by bringing all the actual real movies to light and, yeah. and, and bring us up to date on those. I think we kind of tag team well off one another with our knowledge and, and how we do some of that stuff too, so it should hopefully be a pretty good blend of things, but... You're right. I will probably not be reviewing a lot of comic book-based <laughs> movies. Um, you can I, leave you that know, to us. Yeah, it's just not generally the stuff that I do. But, uh, you know, things from the, the 40s through the 90s, boy, I, I'm right there for you. I can, <laughs> I can bring that up. And, um, and I, I do want to preface some things for the, the listeners that we're going to have throughout this podcast that uh, there's generally nothing in life that I cannot somehow reference to either The Simpsons or The Golden Girls, <laughs> and then oddly enough, also The Life of Lyndon Johnson. Um, so these are these are things that you're going to probably hear a lot of. And he's time. not joking. <laughs> no, no, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. It, it's just sort of the sickness that I have. Go to Pizza Hut, there's a Lyndon Johnson story there. Oh yeah, I can I can do a Lyndon Johnson Pizza Hut story, <laughs> there's no doubt. So you'll hear a lot of these things. Yeah, The Simpsons, Golden Girls, and Lyndon Johnson will come up Way more than you ever thought possible. And way more than it probably should. Oh, yes. Yeah. And um, I'm going to claim that I am the Star Wars aficionado. I love all things Star Wars and also all things Harry Potter. Nerd alert. I love Harry Potter. Like, I'm a, I'm a big Harry Potter fan. And I'm very proud of the fact that now I have seen the Star Wars movies within the last year. So You've, you've got to stop calling it the Star Wars, though. It's just Star Wars. You realize that, right? Am I wrong, Faith? Or, yeah. yeah. I like it. it but it, I love it when you lovable. call it the Star Wars. Well, you know, well, I saw the Star Wars. Because <laughs> there's like nine of them now. Or there's going to be. Right. It's, it seems like there's an awful lot of them. And especially those those ones that came out in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Boy, they really felt like they were a lot of movies. Don't, yeah, just, we're not going to talk about <laughs> no, those. Yeah, we kind of pretend those don't exist. Other than the Clone Wars TV show. It took place in that era, and the Clone Wars TV show is some of the best Star Wars that's ever been made. It was the best stuff to come out of that. There was a TV show? Yes. Yes, and it's wonderful. And it was awesome. And it's on Netflix, so if anyone wants to see it, it's out there for you. What, seven movies or something like that? Yeah, there's seven now. You you haven't seen The Force Awakens, though, right? 
Yes. Yes, I've seen The Force Awakens. Okay. Yeah. You, you have? That's the last, that's the Star Wars that just came out, right? Yeah. Oh, you saw that? Yeah, I saw it oh, twice, good. actually. I didn't, I didn't think you have seen that yet. No, no, no. I went to see it twice due to a technical mishap. Oh, okay. So it was by accident. Well, no, no, no. I mean, I, I meant to see it. I, I went to see it with a, my friend Chris, um, you know, a couple weeks or so after it came out. It was around Christmas time. And we went to see it um, in the, the nice IMAX theater over near the Dulles Airport because it's got the new laser projection technology. But we got into the theater, not late, but but we were at the end of the line of people getting in. So we had to sit in the first row of the, like, six-story oh, IMAX. Worst. That's And so terrible. we just sat there and, like, craned our necks all the <laughs> way up. And the the film was so big, like, it all didn't fit in my field of vision. I had to physically... Like move my head backwards and forwards to read that stuff that comes in the beginning, <laughs> the crawl. Yeah, the crawl. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I just sort of had to choose which half of the movie to watch, either the left or the right. So then, a couple weeks later, I went back and I saw it with my friend Paul, and we sat in the middle of the theater. And like, there were whole characters I didn't even know existed because apparently they weren't on the left <laughs> half of the screen. And so when I saw it the second time, it was a, a much more rewarding experience, I yeah. have to say. I, I made a mistake going to see an IMAX movie once, and we were actually halfway up the, or down the seats, up mm-hmm. or down the seats, I don't really know. We're right in the middle, and that was too close. It was a seven-story tall screen, so, I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, when I went to see Star Wars the first time, I got there about three hours early, captured my seats, got there, dressed up with everyone, uh, and saw that. It was awesome. I loved it. And we went to see it. I went to see it four times total. That's pretty good. You were shooting for five, though, right? I was shooting for five. It's still in theaters somewhere, so I still have a chance. I I was pretty pleased because, you know, like like I've told you guys before, it's very difficult for me with with movie genres. I don't like movies generally where I have to learn, like, an entire new universe or new world or anything. So it's been kind of hard for me to get into the whole Star Wars thing. But I really like this one because they made it so easy for me that it was just the first movie... Again, with yeah. different characters. Basically. And that was much easier to wrap my mind around because I thought, I've already seen this before. How considerate of them to do this. <laughs> they just updated it a little bit. And I think the rest of the world would agree since it's yeah, made so like I, $5 I, million. Yeah, I found it to be a, a very positive experience because I felt like it was made for people like me who just needed a leg up on some of that plot. So they just <laughs> went ahead and did it twice. Yeah. I also appreciated it. it was all taking place on new worlds. So you didn't have to remember a world. From a previous movie, they started that whole thing over again. But there were Easter eggs there in case there were absolutely you didn't remember the stuff, even from the terrible Clone Wars movies that, or not the the prequel trilogy. Yeah, those so, were just god awful. Yeah, they were terrible. But all right, so we've had a really big weekend. Um, yesterday we went to Cleveland Comic Con as a group, and tonight we are watching the Oscars all together. So let's just dive into what we saw at Comic Con. It was. My second, my third Comic-Con. Third? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Joe, how many Comic-Cons have you been to? I think that was my... Yeah, it was my third, too, actually. All right, and Chad? And it was most decidedly my first. (laughs) So what was your overall... You had no idea what to expect going into this thing, right? Oh, heavens no. No, yeah. No, so. no, no. I had no idea. For those of you who don't know, he's not big into comic books or comic no, I, movies I'm not or a, anything. I'm so. not a comic book person. I'm not a gamer. 
Um, I did buy a couple of Simpsons comics one time in the mid-1990s. Oh, I thought you were going to say last night. I didn't. Oh, no. no, no okay. Was, no. I don't even know if they still produce Simpsons comics. Um, I would be surprised if they did. Yeah, and, and those are the only comic book purchases I have ever made. Um, and I don't... I mean, I've watched movies, I think, based on them. Well, the Batmans. I've seen the Batman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Batmans. all the various iterations of the Batman. The most recent Batmans. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I saw the, the, the Michael Keaton ones. <laughs> And oh, that's right. Yeah. Val Kilmer was after that, wasn't it? Yes. And, you know, yes. so and George Clooney. I mean, I've seen, I've seen the ones. Let's not mention the George Clooney ones. Well, yeah, it was a little odd, but yeah, I, yeah, I've seen all the Batman's in their various titles and iterations since Michael and Keaton. the Christian Bale ones. You've yes, seen, yeah, I've mm-hmm. seen at least one of them. Yeah, I, I didn't see the last one. Is the only one that I haven't seen. Okay. Um, but yeah, so all the rest of them. But other than that... Well, most people would probably say you're not missing much. I actually enjoyed The Dark Knight Rises. It wasn't that bad. But mm-hmm. Yeah, So, but I'm not what you would consider to be a gamer or a comic book person or anything. I, in fact, I never really thought that I would ever find myself at a Comic-Con. Um, so what do you think? You know, I, I actually learned a lot. <laughs> I, I really did. It was really an eye-opening experience. Um, I mean, it didn't convert me over to say that I want to go buy comic books. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there was some neat stuff going on there. There well, really yeah. was. Yeah. We went to a panel. It was all about film in Cleveland. We're actually recording this uh, episode from Cleveland. And we've had a couple movies film here. So the first Avengers movie, uh, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, was also filmed here. And so the Russo brothers who were involved in both of those movies were in a panel and they were talking to the head of the Cleveland Film Commission, talking about getting more movies coming to Cleveland. And it was a really fascinating conversation that they had. And the Russo brothers are actually Cleveland natives. I had no idea that they were I had no idea. from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of cool and probably one of the reasons that Captain America was, was filmed here. I don't think the Avengers, I don't think that had any bearing on the Avengers. I think the tax incentives were just right at the time because that was mm-hmm. you know a Joss Whedon joint, but... Um, but now they, it's on the radar. Yeah. So they're trying to get some more things coming to Cleveland. And the thing that really struck me was they need sound stages. So yeah, I, I was surprised by that too. I didn't realize. Yeah. So I guess a lot of things are filming in Georgia because they have sound, sound stages built there. So hopefully we'll get some sound stages in Cleveland and even more movies will come here and we can help out on the weekends on the films. That'd be really awesome. And yeah. report from the field. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought the Russo brothers panel was, was really great. And, you know, it was neat because I knew their work from Arrested Development and Community and mm-hmm. Some of those things that they've done that I really liked, not nearly as much the, you know, the comic book based movies, but their panel was fantastic in trying to promote Cleveland and some of the stuff that they were doing. And, and I liked it because they seemed just very genuinely happy to be there and interested in the people that were there listening to them. I never got the impression. I mean, that was what an hour or so. Yeah, it was a good hour. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you never really got the feeling that that we were taking up their precious time. I mean, mm-hmm. they talked about how busy they were, but mm-hmm. I think that they were really happy to be able to to spend the day at this event and do a panel and talk to And they people. took a good amount of time, too, like actually answering people's questions. Yeah, they really and, cared about the questions. Yeah, that people it wasn't had. just a big Cleveland promo. They actually answered questions. They didn't give any big spoilers or 
uh, you know, anything huge news bomb dropping about, you know, Civil War. I mean, we're not too far out from that. But they, they did talk about how, you know, they're they're going through post-production right now and what a long and arduous process that is. And then even though they're a couple of weeks out, they're only like a third of the way through. Yeah, they post. did drop that they are looking towards Cleveland for Infinity War. That's true. They did mention that. So I'm really hoping that that will come to fruition. They're pushing for it. They're pushing yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. So now, are they making a movie about the Civil War? <laughs> No. They kept saying Civil War. <laughs> and I'm like, are they making... Because they kept talking comic book stuff, but then they were saying Civil War this and Civil War that. And I'm like, you know, I'm a historian. <laughs> are they making a Civil War movie? Yeah, so Chad had absolutely no idea. He, he, he They were talking about Captain America, and then all of a sudden they talked about Civil War. What Civil War is, it, for, for you and for some of the listeners that might be listening... Is is a it's a quintessential graphic novel or a series of comics that came out from Marvel. They did a run of comics where there was this registration act because of something huge that happened in the in the universe. I, I forget what it was actually. I think some X Men or mutants or something accidentally caused the town to explode or something drastic like that. I don't think anything like that's happening in the movie, but the government put out a registration act for all super-powered human beings to identify themselves to the government or, you know, be at risk of being imprisoned or something like that. Like, they could even imprison some of these people. But there was a split right down the middle. Um, and, and mainly, one side was headed up by Iron Man. He was for the Registration Act, for the government, and, and he didn't really care because everyone knows he's Tony Stark, he's a billionaire. But the other side was for Captain America, and he was against the Registration Act. Because he thought people should have their own lives and not have to be, you know, have their identities out there. And and it became this battle between the two of them that, that unfolded under this, you know, long story between these two rivals that were best friends. And so that's, it's, it's a huge story. It's one of the more popular ones in the Marvel history. And they're turning that into the third Captain America movie, that storyline. They're basing it on that. So that's that storyline's called Civil War. And it's interesting because it's not only going to be... Iron Man versus Captain America, everyone chooses sides. So they kind of get their two mega forces that they're going to build up and they have to fight each other. And so it's, it's really going to be interesting who comes out on top, who they're, they might kill off in this movie. I think I think the big thing that, that everyone thought they were going to kill off was Captain America. Um you know, for for certain reasons, but no, no, no spoilers or anything. But I think they thought they might kill him off because mainly more stuff that was going on in the background with his contract negotiations. He was talking for a while there, like he wanted to go off and direct, and he was sick of playing Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now all of a sudden his tune has changed. So I don't know in that process if that has also changed because I think he signed on for more movies now. Yeah. So I can't imagine he dies in this anymore. Which is kind of weird. It's a little inside baseball, but somewhat ruins the movie if you actually pay attention <laughs> to, to the background stuff going on. I, I think personally, he tried to do some directing, and it didn't pan out for him. Mm-hmm. So he's like, "I need a paycheck." Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, actually, Chris Evans, he's loved working with the Marvel movies. He really enjoyed filming in Cleveland. He was a proponent of bringing it to Cleveland, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that he stays around for a few more movies personally. Of course. I wonder why. Yeah. I just think that maybe they should keep referring to it as like Captain America Civil War. That's its real or, title, actually. Or Marvel's yeah. Civil yeah, War. So yeah. Instead of just calling it the Civil War, because I seriously thought that they well, we somewhere were somewhere in the middle of them working on comic book <laughs> things, they made a Civil War movie. And <laughs> I mean, I guess they did, but they've made like a Marvel Civil War movie. Yes. 
But uh, like they were referring to Civil War only. It, its real title is Captain America: right. Civil War. But I mean, we were in the middle of a Comic Con. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, I was probably the only one in the room who didn't pr- really. And probably. it was a smart move for them to do that because the graphic novel is just Civil War. Yeah. That's so true. they're actually taking that whole storyline into the third Captain America yeah. movie. There's probably a good chance I was the only one in the building who didn't realize. Mm-hmm. That. Well, we need to for for those of you who are. You know, don't know. We are actually educating Chad as much as he is educating us on old movies that we need to go back throughout film history and watch. Um, I started Chad's video game education last night, but we need to start catching him up on some of these Marvel movies as well because he was actually kind of shocked when I told him yesterday during this panel that Winter Soldier is kind of considered like the Dark Knight of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The political thriller. The political thriller, and Robert Redford was actually in this, and he was kind of shocked about that Yeah, I had no Mm -hmm. idea about that. So so I think we're going to start his education here sometime soon. I might give him a list of, of Marvel movies to catch up on. At this point in time, they're... The, the list of them is, is maybe daunting, but... Um, is Iron Man a good guy or a bad yeah. guy? Yeah, they're, they're both good guys. That's the point, okay. is is they're fighting each other, but they're good guys, just okay. like the real Civil War, brother against brother. I, I see. Do you get it now? Yeah. Clicking? Yeah, getting there. <laughs> okay, good. Uh-huh. That's, yeah, that's something. <laughs> so. Some other things that I really enjoy going to Comic-Cons is just people watching. I love um, dressing up in cosplay I'm actually a teacher, so I theme all of our theme days at my school around what cool costume I have, so everybody else has to kind of fall in line. Um, But I dress up as Rey for the Star Wars premiere. I have a Peggy Carter costume. So I think that people watching at Comic-Cons are the best. So did anybody see a costume that really struck them as cool (laughs) yesterday or shocking? Well, I I don't know if I want to say shocking. There were several people that were in costume that it wasn't a whole lot of costume. There was very little <laughs> they, covering. They probably shouldn't be wearing it. <laughs> yes, yes. Some people maybe shouldn't have been wearing certain things. Um, but um, no, the one I really liked was the inflatable T-Rex. That was my favorite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of the day. That was a huge and we've hit. seen the T-Rex on Facebook and everything. So I was really excited to see that someone came with that costume and was dancing around. I think you actually took a video. We'll probably post on our Facebook page. Yeah, we'll definitely page post it on the Facebook so, page. But um, yeah, that, that, was, that was definitely my favorite. I liked seeing... Um, the little kids that were dressed in various costumes. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was kind of cute. Yeah, little Freddy Krueger was a little yeah, disturbing. Little, yeah, little Freddy Krueger was a little unnerving. I was wondering about he, that myself. He couldn't have been more than four or five. Yeah. Did and, Daddy let him watch that movie? <laughs> right, yeah. We were Why really, is he a fan? <laughs> yeah, we were really concerned that the child had even seen that movie or knew what it was. Yeah. Um, but still, he was just as cute as can be. Yeah. So, <laughs> as, I mean, as cute as Freddy Krueger can be. When he, when I was his age, if Chucky came on the TV just on a commercial, I, I hid under the sheets. Like, that doll terrified me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. That is a, that's a terrifying, it is. terrifying thing. Before we leave the uh, Civil War front, I, I was actually kind of disappointed that, that I didn't... I was, I was in line to ask the Russo brothers a question. Um, and I had a really good question for him, too. But um, the, the good thing about... Civil War is there's there's a lot of buzz about this movie that it's going to be just as good if not better than the last one. Another indication of the fact that that Civil War is actually going to be really good and I don't know how how good of an indication this is but Anthony Mackie was doing uh press or something like that for his his newest movie Triple Nine that's I think in theaters this weekend. Somebody was asking him about Civil War, and he said, not only does he think it's going to be better than Winter Soldier, he actually thinks it's going to be the best Marvel movie so far. So That's exciting. Yeah. Because they've got a lot of great movies. <clears throat> there's there's a lot of more moving pieces parts in this, and that's kind of the question I was going to ask the Russos, is 
how is it transitioning from something like comedy, community, arrested development to something like Captain America, now getting their action reins down and getting that under their belt, moving on to another movie with more characters similar to, I mean, they have as many characters in this movie as the first Avengers, if not more. And then now they're tackling Avengers after that. So. Yeah, it actually feels like it should be Avengers 3. Yeah, at sort this of. point in time, even though we just had an Avengers movie, it feels like that because it's so packed full. And of I'm heroes. actually more excited about this than the last Avengers movie. I think. So. I agree. And Infinity War is probably going to be like four times because Chad, you might not know this, but the Avengers. I think it's a safe bet. To yeah. <laughs> I don't so, think there's ever been a war on this world called Infinity War, so we won't get the confusion to Civil yeah, that's, War. That's, that's true. Yeah, at least that's good. <laughs> At least I can't be that far off base. Tomorrow they're going to announce that the Affinia War has started in the Middle East, and then he's going to get really confused. Yeah. So <laughs> they're after stones and a gauntlet. What? <laughs> um, so there are phases of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the first phase started with Iron Man, and it ended with the first Avengers movie. So each individual movie set up each individual Avengers backstory. So Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, they all had it in their own individual movies. And then the last movie, The Avengers, of that phase brought them all together. So each phase is kind of capped off in some way, shape, or form with an Avengers movie. The phase two ended with Ant-Man, which I think is weird. I think Ant-Man should have started phase three, but whatever. And then the next Avengers movie is actually a two-parter. And it's the big one. And that's the one that's really going to upset the balance of... That's, that's when they think... Everyone like Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans, their contracts are going to be over with, and they're really going to, you know, Robert Downey's not going to be in the mix anymore if he's even alive at that point in time. So um, it's going to be even bigger than the last two. So the Russo brothers are now in charge of that two-parter as well. So they've really got their work cut out for them. Um, and, and that's why people were excited yesterday when they said that they were scouting Cleveland for Infinity War because that's going to be probably one of the biggest Marvel movies to date. Um, they're even saying newer people, newer movies that haven't come out yet might be a part of that. Guardians of the Galaxy was huge. I don't know if you heard of that with Chris. What's his name from Jurassic World? I'm blanking. Is it Chris? I'm not sure. What's his name? You know who I'm talking about yeah. from Jurassic World. Yeah. Anyways, I'm, I'm I'm totally having a brain fart right now. IMDb me, will you? Yeah. <laughs> Again, our <laughs> listeners are like, it's that guy. <laughs> you idiots. What are you doing a podcast for? Um, if you'd like to write in and tell Joe that you think he's an idiot. <laughs> okay, it's Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Hey, I got the Chris part right. Yeah. So Chris Pratt was in it. Um, it was it was big. They're even saying that that and and uh, like they're filming uh, Doctor Strange right now with Benedict Cumberbatch. They're they're saying he might even be part of it. So like it's really going to bring everything together. Um, I know who he is. Yes, you. Yeah, he was in the Invitation Game. That that eggs Benedict Cumberbatch. He does, there you go. Does a, a fine a, job. <laughs> fine job. <laughs> But anyways, they got their work cut out for them, but I'm, I'm excited to hear that. Um, the other thing I'm excited to hear in regards to um, Civil War, not Infinity War, is that uh, is that Gwyneth Paltrow is actually coming back as Pepper Potts in oh, Civil War. Oh, that's exciting. Um, I thought she was kind of done with it because she was, you know, popping out kids left and right, and she I think she took a break for a while. Was that right? Or Yeah, but they, I mean, they kind of wrapped up her character in the last Avengers movie, in the first Avengers movie. And they kind of wrapped up that storyline. Well, they they remember they wrapped it up even more than that. In Iron Man three, she went out in in great fashion. She took over the Iron Man suit and saved Tony. 
Yeah. Remember? Yeah. So that was after the first Avengers, right? So mm-hmm. so that's the last time I remember seeing her, and I didn't think... And she wasn't in the second Avengers. They made mention of her and mm-hmm. Natalie Portman's character. Um, but I didn't think she'd be back just because her in real life, you know, she's got kids and she's busy. Well, now. I think she took off with the break having kids a little bit before that. I think she actually came back for Iron Man 3. Um, so she hasn't done anything recently. I can't remember any movies that she's done um, in the recent past, but I'm excited for her to come back. I think it would be really a great addition and to wrap up that character even more. And that makes me kind of think even more about where Iron Man will be going if she's saying she's coming back. So how will that tie in well, where the story's going to go? Here's what here's what the rap actually reported. I think they were talking to her. Um, over at the wrap, they reported that she will be back as Tony's love interest. Um, she is going to be in Civil War, and it's said to be a small yet key role in the film. So I'm really, I love her character. I love Gwyneth Paltrow in general. Yeah, I think um, she's a great actress. I think she still looks really good for her age. Still, I mean, she's not that old or anything, but I mean, she doesn't, in my opinion, and I, and I know I'm probably dating myself here slightly, she doesn't look. Too much older, in my opinion, than what she looked like in, in Shakespeare. Yeah. It's Pilates. It's, That's what keeps her <laughs> looking good. <laughs> but she had a couple of scenes where she was, like, ripped and ready to go in that Iron Man suit in Iron Man 3. So, good for her. But, yeah. So, I hope that means she doesn't die. But I would not be surprised if they killed off her character. Because she just seems more and more unavailable as the mother side of her takes over her Maybe she just career. completely takes over. Maybe Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man, Tony Stark dies, and she becomes Iron Woman, and she's going to be in all the rest of the movies. It'll be awesome. You know, that's not a thing, right? Iron, well, Iron Woman might be. I don't know. There's a, there's a fe- be, they can add a character. There's a female Thor now. So Yeah. Who knows? They can change everything around. Right, Chad? Who's Thor? <laughs> <laughs> this dude didn't know who Chris Hemsworth was. He was at Comic-Con in Cleveland this weekend, and he was like the headliner with Matt Smith and... Uh, and someone else, uh, Henry Wrinkler. No, he wasn't a headliner. But it was like Matt Smith and Chris Hemsworth. He's like, who's Chris Hemsworth? <laughs> he had no idea who Chris Hemsworth was. I even looked him up. I even saw his picture. And he still didn't really look all that familiar <laughs> to me. You know? I, now, I got a lot more excited when you said Henry Winkler. Yeah. I know who Fonzie is. Yeah, right. <laughs> we never did see him. but He's, he's a seven-foot-tall hunk of Australian man that every woman on the planet knows. I mean, I... Odds are I've seen something he's been in, but it just doesn't. Well, I named off like four movies yesterday, and you had well, you no idea. You didn't name off any good ones. Well, you need to you need to put Cabin in the Woods on your list. Okay, I could do that. I think. Yeah, I think, it's a fun movie. Yeah, I think the readers, or I keep saying readers, yeah, like we have a readers. website. If they're reading while they're listening to this, I, I might get scared. We're we'll hoping be, that it's you, in the car. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, if it's you, you you'd be doing all three because oh yeah, you're a I moron. Would do that, but you know. <laughs> Don't text and drive, people. Come on. Be smart. Especially if you're listening to this in your car. Don't follow Chad's example. Now, if you want to pull over to give us a high rating. <laughs> and then tweet us yeah. and review yeah. on the side of the highway. <laughs> yeah. If you'd like no, to pull over in a, a nice, you know, legal fashion and <laughs> go on and give us a very high review on our podcast and, you know, then continue on your journey, that would be fine. And if the cop pulls up and asks you what the heck you're doing, you can... You can you know, plug our podcast. Be like, hey, I'm listening to this awesome podcast and I'm rating them. You should check them out at pausepointspodcast.com. Yeah. So, you know, would you like to go ahead and download that? I'll wait. You know? I'll create As a writing... mobile hotspot right here for you. There you right. go. As he's writing you a ticket, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so that's that's it for Civil War. Um, very excited for that. I think that's ironically my most anticipated summer movie. That's not really a summer movie coming out, um, but that comes out. When does that come out? May, right? Mm-hmm. So before that, I would say this is probably my most anticipated movie. That's that's under a lot of scrutiny right now. Not not so much scrutiny, but it's being talked about a lot. Apparently, uh, Warner Brothers is extremely concerned about Batman versus Superman. It's been reported that they're concerned about Henry Cavill's part. They've beeped up uh, Batman's part. Apparently, Ben Affleck was doing rewrites on the set in the bat suit because he wasn't happy with the script. Um, they're saying if it doesn't perform well, they might not go forward with the Justice League movie and they might replace it with a Batman movie. So I feel like that Man of Steel got a bum rap. Yeah, Man of Steel had a lot of issues, but Henry Cavill was just such a perfect <clears throat> casting for that. And I think that three quarters of the movie was good. Yeah. But then it kind of went off the rails at some point, And I think that a lot of the viewers are still upset about what happened at the end of that movie. No spoilers, but if you've seen it, you know what we're talking about. So leading into this, there are a lot of questions up in the air. How does society feel about Superman? And I'm I'm not sure where the story is going to go from there. I do love that anybody who knows anything about genre movies knows that there was a lot of destruction at the end of the last Superman movie. Who wants anything more about that? But I do love that they're kind of embracing that and using that as kind of the MacGuffin of the next movie that that the destruction is why everyone's scared of superman and why bruce wayne batman hates superman because he thinks he could destroy the earth with a look if he wanted to so i do think that's a good setup i i i just feel like they're not giving it a fair shake and hasn't even come out the gate yet yeah i think that they're putting a lot into this movie but i think the one thing that might actually save this movie is wonder woman I really do. I I think that all of the footage we've seen of Wonder Woman in her costume, kind of in front of the two main characters, like really taking charge, I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people. I mean, we've wanted to see a Wonder Woman character come to life for a really long time, a really powerful character, and I'm really hoping that people will rally around that and give the movie a chance. Well, we were just talking about strong female characters with Pepper Potts, and I love I love her role there. And, and I had a discussion the other day with strong female characters that are actually coming about in 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 video games and gaming. You know, be it with Tomb Raider or some characters in Charter Four, they're be you know going to be coming out, and and it's really coming to the forefront. And I don't I don't think it needs to be harped on too much, but I do love it when I see strong female characters. As a guy, I love when I see that come out and I think Wonder Woman I think it's a good time for her and I love that they're going with her movie first and they're taking it back to a period where females were under a lot of scrutiny back in the early 1900s World War One era and she's going to be walking into that world I think it's going to be a great dynamic so and the footage looks great it looks like a really beautiful movie so I'm really I'm getting excited about that one myself yeah I do too and I don't know a lot about the DC universe I'm the TV person, so I watch Arrow, I watch The Flash, Supergirl. So I know a little bit about that universe, but I didn't grow up reading the comics. But I know enough about Wonder Woman that I know that I'm going to really identify a lot with that character. So that excites me to see her on screen. I'm more concerned, honestly, structurally about Batman versus Superman. Because, Chad, I'll I'll bring you up to speed. I kind of gave you 
the lowdown on how the Marvel Cinematic Universe works, how they took their time building up each individual character. Mm-hmm. DC's kind of coming into the game at the end. They're very late. They didn't take that same chance. Marvel took a lot of chances, and they won on pretty much every level. And and I think unanimously, both fanboys and, and normal moviegoers alike kind of agree that they've, they've gotten pretty much every movie right. I mean, there's not really any movie where people just utterly hate. But I feel like DC is trying to do a reverse cram session with their movies so reverse marvel it sounds like a great move in gymnastics (laughs) a a reverse marvel yes so they're trying to do almost like a a, like a jerry-rigged avengers first like a team-up movie because everyone's going to be squeezed in even if it's a five second cameo they're saying that the flash aquaman wonder woman batman super they're all going to be slammed into this movie that's coming out in march and on top of that from what we've seen on the the previews, the the trailers, Doomsday is also in there, and he's like a, a big bad major bad guy. Lex Luthor's in there, and I mean you got to start to wonder how long is this movie gonna be. On top of everything else, they released a picture the other day that leaked online, but there's an Omega symbol in one scene in the movie, and that's an even bigger bad called Darkseid. That's I'm actually very excited about, but I'm hoping that's just a tease, and they're not gonna. Like, is he going to be a post-credits scene kind of tease like Thanos was in the first Avengers movie? I'm hoping that's all it is because there's already too many people in this movie and they're already trying to play catch-up as it is. Yeah, I think when we watch Marvel movies, there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of characters, but it works. It can come together in a good way. And I think one of the problems that DC has is that their characters are well-known. So they kind of take that for granted. If you look at Marvel and how it came about, yeah, people know them from the comics, but 10 years ago, you, I had no idea who these characters were. I, I mean, I had maybe seen them in passing. You were where Chad's so, at. Yeah. <laughs> I was there. You're where I'm at right now. We're going to exactly. send you home with like 20 movies tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to watch you know, them all. Like I, I know who Superman is. And, and that's what they're banking on. That's what DC is banking on. You know who Superman is. You know who Batman, you know who Batman is. is. Yeah. That's like kind said, of... I've, I've seen the Batman movies. I remember watching reruns of the original Superman TV show on Nick at Night back when we were little. Do you remember Lois and Clark? Oh, yeah. I I watched (laughs) Lois and Clark. It was a great show. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely watched that, you know? Um, So, I mean, I I know some of the Superman basics. And I think I've seen the original Superman movie, but it was very, very long time ago. The 70s Christopher Reeves. Yeah, yeah. Is that the one where he flies backwards around the world? Yes. Yes. And gets the the world to spin the other way to turn and back, turn back time, time, which yeah. seemed implausible yeah. even to me as a child. Right. I can remember thinking to myself, "That doesn't seem like it would work." You yeah. want to yeah. <laughs> you want to give yourself a fun little piece of superhero movie knowledge. Mm-hmm. There was a big shakeup between the first movie and the second Superman movie with Christopher Reeve. Richard Donner directed the first Superman movie. He started directing the second one because the first one was a big hit. It was huge. And he got kind of like run out of that production because they wanted it to get really corny. And, you know, the, the, the producers on that movie were just, I mean, typical 70s, 80s producers. They wanted everything to be bigger and cornier and more yeah. bombastic. The way things were going in the 80s, their whole production company, it's like, 
there's like a mockumentary on Netflix about it that I've been dying to watch, and I haven't gotten to it yet. It's all about them and the crazy, crappy movies they made in the 80s. <laughs> but there is, maybe 10 years ago, Richard Donner got permission from Warner Brothers to go get his old footage that he had his vision for Superman 2. Because there's a point in Superman 2, halfway through the movie, where it goes from quite possibly the best Superman movie to off-the-rails crazy, like he pulls a cellophane ass off his chest and throws it around someone. I mean, it just really off-the-walls kind of crap. <laughs> and if you go back and watch the Richard Donner cut, it makes so much more sense. And he actually pulls, <laughs> ironically, this is where they, they, I think they clearly spitballed this together in the Richard Donner cut, but he pulls another turn-back time by flying around the Earth thing at the end of it. Oh, really? <laughs> spoilers, yeah. Sorry, spoilers. Um, but it, it, I don't it's... think I have to give a spoiler for a movie that old. Well, this is only 10 years. <laughs> this cut is only 10 years old, but anyways. A movie that old and something that wasn't even really a movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, it, But it's very interesting to watch because there was a lot of behind-the-scenes politics on that. But That's interesting. I yeah. didn't know that. Anyway, going yeah, go back ahead. to my original point Sorry. that I was making. <laughs> Sorry. Many years ago, I didn't know who Thor and all these characters were. So they took their time, Iron Man, they explained the character, gave him his time. Thor, they gave his time. Captain America, they built the characters up. So a team-up movie made sense, and you already had this backstory. The stories fit together really well. And then they, they came together in this great, wonderful Avengers movie. I loved the first Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas the recent memory of Christian Bale is with Batman. We understand his backstory. So we're jumping straight into the middle of the story with Batman versus Superman. But I think they are banking on our knowledge just of pop culture. Well, they also don't have a genius behind the scenes. You know, I know people say what they will about him, but Kevin Feige has done an amazing job. Mm -hmm. They talked about him yesterday at the panel. Um, the Russo brothers talked about how instrumental he was bringing this whole universe together. He's still doing an awesome job. He clearly loves this material. They don't have that person at DC, at Warner Brothers. I think they tried to make Christopher Nolan be that person, and he just didn't want anything to do with it after the Batman movies, and I don't blame him. Yeah. The only cohesive, Yeah, the only cohesive piece they have between all those movies right now is Jonathan Nolan, I think, has become a producer or writer on most of these movies. Mm-hmm. But even that's not, I mean, that's not enough. Zack Snyder... He's done a decent job, but he's not the most storytelling director in the world. He can film a great action scene and cut a great trailer, but when it comes down to it, if these movies are going to have any meat or depth that people are going to get invested in, I don't think he's going to be the director to do it. Yeah, and I feel like if they were going to do a true reverse Marvel, they should have done that. They should have just started with Batman versus Superman. Seeing how that worked, then do a standalone Superman, then do a standalone Batman. I think that would have worked a little better than, hey, we're going to do a Superman movie, and then we're kind of going to do this team-up movie. We're going to throw in Aquaman, we're going to throw in Flash, and Cyborg's going to be in the background. Whereas in the first Superman, he's it. He's the only superhero of that world. Yeah. And all of a sudden, these people are just popping up all over the place, and there's this whole lore. And, and that and that that's that's kind of another part that's annoying that Marvel does really well, and it's very ironic because and we can we can get to this in a little bit with the TV side of things, but DC does their TV series in my opinion better than Marvel, yet Marvel has the foresight to only start TV series that benefit, add to, or tie in to their movies. DC has made a conscious decision. 
to not take the one thing they do better than than Marvel and tie it into their movies. They've 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 created separate universes, even double characters. As the, I don't know if you know, Chad, but there's there's a Flash TV show that's extremely successful right now, and they've already said that the Flash that's going to appear in the Justice League and the Batman versus Superman movie. Totally different, has no relation to the TV show whatsoever. And yeah, I, same with Green Arrow. I mean, both yeah. Green Arrow and Flash have been super successful. I look forward to watching them every single week. I make sure I watch them in chronological order because they do cross over they're good shows. very often. They're really yeah, they're good great. shows, even if you're not a comic book person. They're, they're really good shows. Especially a Green Arrow because they don't quite go into the superhero realm. Most of it seems pretty plausible. It's, it's yeah. kind of more grounded. It's very down to earth. And that's kind of the tone of DC as opposed to Marvel. Marvel's a little more fun, a little more out there. They've gotten into the magic realm. And, and actually the DC show is starting to go there as well. But DC's always been more grounded and serious in tone. But it really, it, it upsets me that they've gone as far as to, to, you know, to not just say, listen, we didn't plan this out. You know, the, the TV shows are doing their own thing. It's fun. They they kind of have used a cop out and, and come out recently and said... Well, this is because the multiverse exists, and the the characters that are going to appear in the movie are in a different universe than the characters, just because there is a multiverse. There's multiple universes in the comics. I don't know if you know that or not, um, but there's there's many different universes, and, and they're using that as kind of like a, a jerry-rigged excuse yeah, as to and, why their, their universe is a mess. <laughs> and looking back to recent Flash episodes, spoilers if you haven't watched the past two um, but There's he actually, <laughs> yeah, like a vampire. <laughs> we'll get to that in a later podcast. Yeah. We'll, we'll probably say that quite often. Um, but he travels through to another universe and you see snippets from Supergirl, which is another et- network. So mm-hmm. I think we kind of think that that might be a multiverse. But still so TV. I think they're trying to bring it into the TV shows to explain the multiverse in the movies. But even that is only because the same producers on all three shows, I think, more than yeah. anything else. But at least that's that's cross-network. That's CW and CBS, which is a huge feat for them. And I'm, I'm glad they're at least doing that. But mm-hmm. um, they even mention Atlantis. Yes, I remember that. At one point in time. Yeah, I think several times, actually. Like, it's a and vacation home. And I'm assuming it's not the Atlantis in the Bahamas. It's yeah. <laughs> actual Atlantis, 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 where Aquaman's from. But. Yeah, and what you said about Marvel having the foresight to tie their TV shows in with their movies has been successful. And the one show that hasn't done that, which is um, Agent Carter... That's the one that's had the most problems and it's probably mm-hmm. going to be the first one that gets cut from that whole lineup because um, recent reporting show that Haley Atwell is up for a new pilot. That's it's really bringing well. the question yeah. whether Agent Carter is going to come back. And she is the best part of Agent Carter. We love Agent Carter. Like yeah. We don't want her to go. But. I love her, but... The actual storyline, everything that's going on, is a little bit weaker. She's really the only thing that's probably keeping people tuned in long term on that show. Yeah, she's doing a great job. But I, and you know, granted, we're we're talking about this right now. With the season of Agent Carter is done. You know, we we we've talked about this. We'll talk about it on the website. We're real people. We got real jobs. We we haven't caught ourselves up. You know, we know the season of Agent Carter is done. It might very well have tied into a show recently. That black stuff, 
that was in a couple episodes might be something that was in Agents of Shield. No spoilers, but I don't I don't know. We have no idea. And we know Agents of Shield ties into the movies. We were actually at a panel yesterday with um, Chloe Bennett and Elizabeth Henstridge, who are uh, Simmons and Daisy, Daisy Sky, Quake, Sky, whatever Quake, you want to call yeah, her, whatever, on Agents of Shield. And they even said that they think that their show is going to tie in to Civil War by the end of this season, which would make sense because their show is actually tied in more directly with the last Captain America movie, Winter Soldier, than it did with Avengers 2. So Yeah, it pretty much changed the entire format of that show. Yeah. What they right. were doing. So yeah, I'm kind of interested to see where they take it. They're definitely they're definitely kind of throwing the spaghetti. DC is definitely kind of throwing the spaghetti up against the wall and just hoping that the Flash-shaped pasta and the Superman-shaped pasta all sticks together <laughs> and works. Does that analogy work? Maybe? No, I like that. I like Speaking that. of, let's stay on the topic of the comic book movies. So Deadpool's out right now, a rated R movie, breaking all kinds of records. Killing it. It's the third week that they've been at the top of the box office. Yeah, I think they had close to $32 million this weekend. All right, and now there's talks about the next Wolverine movie being rated R. So this is a good question for listeners out there. Please just let us know what you think about comic book movies maybe going skewing more to an R rating. So what are your thoughts, Joe? It was released that Wolverine 3 was going to be rated R by some kind of press kit that went out or something like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a possibility. And 20th Century Fox owns the rights to Wolverine. Chad, I don't know if you know this, but this is, again, inside baseball kind of thing. When Marvel was getting started in order to raise money to make the first Iron Man movie, they had to sell off the movie rights to other companies. So they sold off the rights to Spider-Man. They sold off the rights to X-Men, Wolverine, stuff like Deadpool, Fantastic Four, to 20th Century Fox. It's the only way they had enough money to go out on their own as a cinematic studio and make Iron Man. Um, So they took a huge chance and it paid off for them. But now they've been backpedaling, not backpedaling, but over a long period of time playing the long game and trying to get some of these rights to these characters back. So they're just now getting Spider-Man to appear Mm -hmm. in a movie. And that's only a partnership. They didn't get those rights back. They haven't gotten it back, but they are starting to work together a little bit more. Yeah, so Marvel's going to help Sony make a decent Spider-Man movie since a good one hasn't come out in like 10 years. (laughs) And they're going to give the... uh, Disney Marvel the rights to use the same actor and the character in their movies as well mm-hmm. if he like appears in a cameo. But one of the most recent things that have benefited Marvel recently is that they've started to earn the rights back to some of these characters. So like Daredevil and Punisher, um, they're all kind of in the same universe and they just recently got those characters back from 20th Century Fox, which they've created very successful shows on Netflix. Um, in regards to Daredevil. And that's kind of been their medium to put a more grown-up, closer to an R-rated type of character yeah. and, and kind of section it off in a corner there where adults can enjoy it. But Yeah. So. But I, well, I want to know, like, what's so bad about a comic book movie being rated R? I mean, it seems to me like you could you could do that. You could have your, your genre of movies out there that are, are comic book-based... But they are just basically, you know, for adults. Yeah. And, you know, you've got your generations of kids that can grow up with some of the other ones and then hopefully get old enough that then they can see these someday. I mean, you could you could just sort of do it as like a... It grows with the audience. Yeah, kind of yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think... Like a parallel I, system. I think inherently comic books are seen as kids slash family 
not family movies, but but kid kid movies, teen yeah. movies. And I think it's more when you make a movie PG PG thirteen, you're good. You can get teenagers, kids, parents, everybody. You make it R. You're cutting off everyone from seventeen down, which is considered the core audience of comic books. So yeah, so it's kind of an anomaly that Deadpool made so much when it didn't have that audience. Mm-hmm. So it is a risk. It's like a third tier character too. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a risk for them to do this to Wolverine because Wolverine is known by kids. I mean, there's the merchandise out there all over the place. So it's something that they're not going to be able to see. So are enough people, adults, going to come to see this movie, even though it's rated R? The last movie was very grown up, though, that James Mangold did. It was. It was very grown up. And they're saying that this one's been planned to be rated R even before Deadpool came along. Yeah. Deadpool's been in production for like 10 years, probably. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that long. Um, so, I, I mean, it's it's been a while. So, um, Ryan Reynolds has been a big proponent of this forever. It's been one of those things that's been gestating for a while. Yeah. And it hasn't been able to get off the ground because it's R-rated. So, sure. and, But I think that one of the great things that happened with Deadpool was the marketing. I mean, they marketed it to yeah. every audience out there. They even made a poster that made it look like a romantic comedy coming out on February, uh, right around Vamp. Uh, it came Valentine's on Valentine's Day. It came out on Valentine's yeah. Day. <laughs> so you That's gotta right. imagine that there might be all these romantic couples. Oh, this looks like a great movie to go see on Valentine's Day. And they got Deadpool. I, I had some friends that went to see it around then too. It was, they did Galentine's Day. So mm-hmm. oh, yeah. women and they, you know, they went together, but they, they knew perfectly well what they were going to see. So, yeah. They all liked it. They said they had a good time. But it is an anomaly, and what I don't want to see is, granted, okay, Wolverine, whatever, they plan on making an R, but going back to Batman vs. Superman for a second, now all of a sudden word's coming out that Batman vs. Superman is going to have an R-rated home video cut. So, you know, all this extra footage that Zack Snyder has put in there that might just be more violent than than whatever. I mean, there's no reason for this. If If it starts being one of these things, you know, Man of Steel was looked at as not being that successful. It still made over $500 million. That's okay. You're fine. Keep it PG-13. Like, keep it more open to families is my my opinion, and I don't know if that's that's a rare view, but I, I think that if, if a Man of Steel or a Superman movie came out or a character that I was interested in as a kid or a teen and I couldn't go see it, I would be mad. Like, that would stink to know my parents could go see a movie that I was more interested in seeing. So I hope that there is not a domino effect from this, and they realize it was probably more just this character, and that everyone's been wanting to see this movie for a while, and the marketing was good more than it was the fact that it was rated R. Yeah, I hope that they use it when it's appropriate. Yeah. There's a reason that Daredevil is on Netflix, because they go dark places. Jessica Jones, it is a very dark TV show, and you probably don't want 12 and 13-year-olds going to watch Jessica Jones. But even then they keep it they keep it in in check still even though it's on Netflix. There are, there are certain rules where they don't go too far and make it too heavy or it's mainly because of violence and yeah. more than anything else. So I I don't mind them using it when it's appropriate. Yeah. But But if it becomes be an avatar thing where every movie after Avatar came out had to have three D Yeah exactly then I'm gonna yeah. yeah. Speaking of Avatar, um I don't know if anyone actually even cares anymore. But apparently Avatar 2 is going to be uh, shooting around April. and uh, I, Are they I, shooting 
all movies together? Are they doing consecutive shoots? I, I don't even think James Cameron knows at this point in time. He's he's always talked like they're going to do two, three, and four back to back. In a most recent interview that that I read that he had, he still doesn't even have any clue as to whether or not the sequel has a solid release date. Yeah. So the only thing that excites me maybe about Avatar two is what will he do that is groundbreaking. He kind of feels like the Walt Disney of this era where Walt Disney was the first to have synchronized sound. So Mickey whistling and Steamboat yeah. Willie. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the first person to do the multiplane camera, mm-hmm. full length animated movies. And he took Roto-scoping. chances. Yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. So I feel like he's that person. So he did, he learned how to do all the underwater shoots for Titanic. He really went leaps and bounds above everyone else doing 3D and motion capture for Avatar 1. So what will it be that he's going to do for Avatar 2 that's really going to push the envelope? My my problem is, look at where film has gone since Avatar came out. And is this a severe case of director too close to his work? Is he getting to that point in life where... I hope he's not going to pull a prequel of George Lucas. I mean, it's it, it, I, I hope not too, but it's starting to feel like that. Yeah, because those were just awful. They were terrible. Yeah. If George Lucas ever hears this. Those were just awful. Trash. <laughs> it was horrible. And if you go back and you try to watch those now after seeing episode seven, we were, we were like, I think we were it talking about that It does have some redeeming Ugh. qualities. And the main one is Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes, that's Coming true. out of that, that was probably my favorite thing of all of the prequels. But I, I hope, I really do hope that, I mean, you got to think about this. Put this into perspective. Avatar came out in 2009. If he starts filming in April, let's say... Let's put a positive, optimistic spin on it. Let's say it takes two years to come out. It's going to be coming out almost 10 years after the first movie. And then they're going to come out with sequels back to back to back. Now, is Avatar still relevant? Disney's putting an Avatar land together in Animal Kingdom at their park in Florida. So there's that. But is he going to still try to do the 3D thing? I mean, because at that point in time, he started the whole 3D renaissance and now everyone's sick of 3D. Mm-hmm. 3D TVs are phasing out. So, I mean, I, I'm with you. What what groundbreaking is he going to do next? Maybe we'll finally have those 4D theaters yeah. where they have the water spraying at you like <laughs> Philhar Magic at Disney World. Although, to be fair, though, I never thought 3D televisions would no. catch on. I never did. I, I, you know, I, I know that generally society progresses with some of that stuff yeah. but i just never thought that that was something people would be into but it really made me mad too when when i would go to a theater and there were 20 3d show times because a 3d ticket price is higher and that's a way for the studios and the theaters to make more money but there's only three regular 2d show times especially when it comes to premiere nights that we still have to deal with that crap now. Like, when I went to go see Star Wars Episode Seven, if I wanted to see the first showing, I couldn't go see anything but 3D. And and granted, the, the glasses have gotten better, the technology's gotten better, but the screen is still more dim because you've got these glasses on. You're not getting the full brightness of the screen. You know, you have to it's wear these uncomfortable. stupid... It's uncomfortable. It's, it's tiring. I feel like it it's just it is tiring on the eyes. You can't use your peripheral vision when you're watching these movies, so... Maybe when Chad had to watch Star Wars that first time, looking straight up, <laughs> it might have been a little bit better if he had his full range of vision. Yeah. yeah. Well, and now where I saw it, too, was one of these theaters that's now doing the 
the laser projection technology. Because mm-hmm. um, my friend Chris had looked into this and, and wanted to go see it there. Um, it really did make a difference. I thought the, the clarity of it was great. It was a very bright screen. So if things move into that realm, I think that that can sort of make up some of those deficiencies. Because it was a very... Well, the second time was a very, very good viewing experience. Yeah, and The I, first time was a very intense and large viewing experience being yeah. that close. <laughs> and I think that that is where things are going. I mean, we've got 4K TVs. We kind of go see the XD movies, IMAX. I think clarity is where things are going more than a 3D. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, they're already rumoring 5K TVs and... Stuff I mean, like we that, have 5K so. monitors. Yeah, I have an Apple monitor. It's 5K. Yeah. So. So, I think I think that'll be the next thing. I I think it's gonna be hard for theaters to to keep up with that though. But I I hope that James Cameron does push the envelope and bring the next thing around. But I hope it's not so much so that theaters have a hard time keeping up. And but, you know, theaters ran into this problem decades ago. Yeah. When they switched to widescreen, when you know when they were facing competition from television, and you know, the the studios went to things like, you know, CinemaScope and Todd AO and all that kind of stuff. And the theaters adapted. Theaters seem to have a way of, of doing that. They come along with the times. Well, something new that they have is D-Box. Have you all heard of D-Box? Mm-hmm. One of the times I went to see Star Wars, I went to a D-Box theater in Cinemark. And there are a few around the country. And it's actually a simulator seat. So like there, motion seat, right? Yeah, there are two rows in the theater. And it's the XD theater. It's the nicest theater that they have. But two rows are dedicated, and you pay a little bit extra for it. And you sit in the seats, and it's, it's actually a simulator seat. So it shakes as the movie's going. I saw Rogue Nation, and it was really interesting because there was a motorcycle scene. So when you're going through these really steep curves, you were kind of being thrown back and forth. It was really, really interesting. And then one of the times I went to see Force Awakens, I went in the D-Box as well. And it was really cool. Like When they go to the light speed, it kind of pushes you back a little bit. I would love to see movie theaters go more that direction than the 3D direction. It, it kind of pushes you a little bit more into the movie. And I think, I think when, I, <clears throat> when I've seen D-Box as well, I think the coolest thing about D-Box was the subtle stuff. So when you have a picture that goes from one scene to another and the next scene is like a sweeping over the land like flight, like it's a helicopter shot of you sweeping over the land, the chair will ever so slightly lean forward in the direction the the shot is taking you and oh, wow. it just feels very subtly immersive and that's that's actually my favorite part about it, not the not the back and forth of the motorcycle ride. It's yeah. it's it's that subtle little stuff. So. I like the subtle I almost lost my drink. At one point in time, it it was it shook so hard at the end of the Force Awakens that my my can kind of flew up. And you can out. control the yeah. intensity. Though, you can't. So, I, mean, I thought it was awesome. Though I had it all the way up at that point in time. <laughs> that's great. But but I, I do think that that and we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent here. But what you were saying about movie theaters trying to keep up, I think it's going to be much harder for them to keep up. I mean, think how hard it was for you to find all the Oscar movies this season at, at a movie theater. I mean, just just today. You were here. We live in a pretty dense area. I mean, we're leaving Cleveland. It's a pretty big city. There were only two theaters around here that had two show times apiece that was showing the possible front runner for the best picture of the year. I mean, we were having an easier time finding it on Amazon Instant Video and Direct TV, Instant TV or whatever you call it, 
than we would to drive around the city of Cleveland trying to find a theater playing that movie. Yeah. So I, I think yeah, I this think this was one of the easier years. Sometimes I've I've really really had to travel. Yeah. To get to see one. You know? I I have a bad feeling that that the only theaters that in the future that might be able to keep up are the are the highest volume ones and maybe. I'm I'm talking maybe 10, 20 years down the road. Maybe theaters just become event movie theaters. Maybe the big blockbuster bombastic movies are the only ones that play. And quite frankly, might be the only ones you need to go see in a movie theater. Maybe studios start making their money off of direct... Yeah. To home video, you know, instant. I mean, look at Netflix and Hulu. And- yeah. Yeah, and the screen sizes in home theaters are yeah. so much larger. I mean, it's it's not uncommon to go to someone's house having a 60 or 65-inch television yeah. nowadays. So mm-hmm. things might just shift that direction. It would save me a lot of travel time when I'm trying to go around and watch Best Picture nominees. That'd be great. I'd actually be okay with it. I mean, I still think the theater will always have a place. Yeah. I love the theater. Um, but do I necessarily need to go see the newest drama or I can't remember the last time I went to see a romantic comedy or yeah any comedy in the theater I mean I save that for DC Marvel and Star Wars basically I mean it's why these Oscar movies have limited runs look at what happened with the uh, yeah I was gonna actually I was gonna talk about this anyways but look what happened with the hateful eight Quentin Tarantino was complaining left and right and he's like boycotting Disney and saying he's never gonna make another movie for Disney again because Disney threatened a small movie chain out in California that if they didn't keep Star Wars in the theater for a certain run that they were going to pull it out altogether as opposed to, you know, just knock it down to a certain number of theaters or something like that. So the theater chain caved, gave in to Star Wars and cut Quentin Tarantino's Hateful Eight down to like a theater or didn't even show it for like a week or two. And he was complaining that that is what hurt his opening weekend around Christmas when it have a, when it had a limited run. So I mean that movie didn't do that well anyways. And that's Quentin Tarantino. He he appeals to more mass. Yeah. And if that was something people could just watch in their homes. Yeah. How many more? How much more money would that have made? Yeah. I mean, Spotlight was in theaters. Yeah. Today yeah. and you watch it on Amazon yeah, Prime we're still today. Able to get it so yeah, Prime. exactly. So I think I think things are actually shifting that way. Mm-hmm. So. I tell you, um, I would have loved not having to drive three and a half hours a few years ago to see War Horse. I mean, oh, there was a day in my life I can't get back because I got—I had to see it before the show, and it was the only place it was playing. So I drive three and a half hours to see the worst movie ever. Well, maybe not ever. Not ever. Ever. It was okay. And Bridges of Madison County is in the, in the running for that too for me. But I mean, it was a, just a really bad movie. Well, you and know, Steven Spielberg. I think Steven Spielberg needs forcibly retired. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I would have loved to have been able to just watch that in my home and sit there and say, oh, my God, this is a horrible movie. (laughs) I can't believe that the man who gave us, you know, wonderful films like Schindler's List and Indiana Jones 1 and 3 then turned out something like this. I'm going to turn it off and watch The Golden Girls. (laughs) Well, you know, Spielberg, he's... Um, he's. I'm sure he's probably still got a couple, you know, World War One or two movies to give us, since that's pretty much all he turns out now. I hope that he doesn't give us anything else. <laughs> I'd like to try and preserve his legacy with some sort of dignity that is left, but it is becoming harder and harder. Yeah, I think he just needs to turn the reins over to J.J. Abrams and just walk silently into the night. Yeah, I mean, Munich, too. Was, <laughs> it was terrible. Seriously, three hours of my life I can't get. It back. was terrible. I saw oh, that. Oh, just just an awful film. You know, Lincoln. Lincoln was 
had superb acting. Um, I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis did a fine job. It, it, Tommy Lee Jones, everybody was in it. The acting was absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, yeah, acting was great in a film that was just so-so. Yeah. It was not all that great of a film, and it ended... It was 20 minutes too long. Yeah. I said, you know, he could have ended it about 20 minutes earlier and it would have been great. So, I mean, there's... And then, like I said, War Horse, I've yeah. just never seen Now, if you want to see a really good Abraham Lincoln movie, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, oh, I yeah. highly recommend. Very historically accurate as well. <laughs> really really explains what really happened. It's amazing <laughs> how they explain, like, the Underground Railroad, how the they slave explain trade the and... slave trade. Um... Just how they explained the North versus the South. The and movement of silver. Yeah. <laughs> it was incredibly historical. <laughs> it just happened to have uh, some vampires in it. Yeah. Well, you know, that's fair and, enough. And maybe one of the best weapons I've ever seen in any movies. I mean, I love I love some lightsabers. Those are pretty awesome. But he has this axe. Gun. Axe gun. <laughs> and it was incredible. Incredible, and just the way he like twirled it and moved it in this movie. Yeah, they, it was they, they created a new genre of fight in in that movie, and I I always refer to it as axe foo. Um, <laughs> but it's it's kind of amazing. If you haven't watched it, you really need to watch this movie. So yes, I I, lo- I know you love presidential movies. Oh yeah, so oh, sure. I think that you would enjoy this yeah. one. You know, combine that with vampires. I just can't imagine there's anything I wouldn't love. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, last thing, really quick. Uh, this just came out for Pacific Rim 2. I loved the first Pacific Rim. Uh, it was a Guillermo del Toro joint, and I love him as a director. Um, he's another one that kind of maybe is a little too close to his work, but um, I really wish he'd make Hellboy 3, but we won't get off on that tangent tonight. Um, I Pacific Rim, no, it's not Oscar-worthy or anything like that. It's a bunch of robots fighting monsters, but it was just great. It's a fun movie just to watch and zone out and turn your brain off to. He's been trying to get Pacific Rim 2 to go to direct that for a while. It's been off and on. Uh, It actually turns out that he has uh, stepped down from the directing role, what sounds like for good. He's going to become a producer and the showrunner behind Daredevil, which we just talked about a second ago, and actually the showrunner behind several other series that have been successful, like Spartacus on Stars, he's going to do his first directorial debut with Pacific Rim 2. So, um, now you didn't see Pacific Rim, Chad, right? No. no, but Faith, you what did you think of it? I mean, I know you saw it, but... It was okay. Yeah. It was okay. I mean... It's, it wasn't necessarily my cup of tea. I was going to say. Yeah. I like Transformers. I mean, that's kind of my robot fighting. I liked the new Godzilla. That was pretty cool. This is definitely a turn your brain off movie. Acting is not terrific. No. There are a couple good, like, fun speeches getting rallied the troops a little bit. But. Idris Elba. Yeah, Idris Elba. Right there with the. They try to compare that to Bill Pullman's <laughs> Independence Day speech. It's, it's not really comparable, <laughs> but it's a good little speech that he but liked. What if Idris he, Elba made. Bill Pullman's Independence Day speech. No, I think it, it's Bill Pullman's Independence Day speech. It always will be. I watch Independence Day every single 4th of July with my dad. It's our thing. I will never get over Independence Day. But anyway, moving back to... How, uh, before you get back to it, how happy were you that they used the Independence Day speech as part of the new Independence Day Resurgence trailer? basically the best marketing I could have imagined <laughs> for Independence Day 2. Um that speech is just awesome. I love how it cuts off at the end of that trailer. Great trailer. 
pulls it all together. I'm really excited about this. It's going to make my Independence Day just that much better every single year. But Will Smith's not in it. It's okay. <laughs> it has Jeff Goldblum. I'm okay with it. It's got Bill Pullman back. Are it's going to be. Goldblum fan? Not necessarily. Okay. I mean, I, I don't Is go seek out everything that he's ever made, but I love him as the president, and yeah. I would vote for him oh, tomorrow. Okay. Jeff Goldblum just annoys Jeff Goldblum as a president? Me. No, Bill Pullman. Oh, I thought you were asking about Jeff Goldblum. No, I was asking about Jeff Goldblum. Oh, no. Oh. You Bill like Pullman, Goldblum? I like. Jeff Goldblum, I like. I have nothing, no He's problems fine. against him. Oh, okay, because I cannot stand Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, he just annoys the I thought, living daylights out. I thought he was funny in Jurassic Park. Yeah. He had an his interesting laugh. character. He has his I liked <laughs> him in um, his maybe one season of Criminal Intent. I, I'm not a big fan of his apartment commercials. <laughs> apartments yeah apartments.com yeah when he's yeah. playing the piano going up the uh, the side of the building singing moving on up I, I don't really I don't really get it I guess it was a Super Bowl move there but anyway so going back to Pacific Rim Pacific too. Rim yeah, yeah that's what we're sorry. talking about I enjoyed the robots fighting the monsters and all of the stuff that happened at the end I thought it was pretty cool but you so so Transformers is more your thing because yeah, I, I, yeah. Like, I like Transformers. I just like more of the heart in Transformers. I didn't really get a lot of heart out of Pacific Man, Rim. you're going to have people blowing up our comments in our Facebook saying well, that Transformers okay. has heart. So let me clarify. <laughs> I like Transformers 1. Yes. I, I enjoyed that one. I, I really can't say that the others really held a candle to it. I enjoyed... Yeah. The connection between Bumblebee and Sam, I thought that was really well played in the first Transformers movie. And, and, and here's the thing: the first Transformers is my favorite. I I am a huge Transformers nerd. As a kid, I, I dreamed of a day where I might see a live action Transformers movie. <clears throat> and I remember that when I saw the first trailer and that Michael Bay was attached to it, I was a huge action buff in the '90s. I loved The Rock and Con Air and. And everything he touched, even the island, I thought was one of his best movies. Yeah, that was a good um, movie. I, I loved Michael Bay. Absolutely love Michael Bay and all the stuff that he's done. So when I saw he was doing Transformers, my my world blew up in college. I was so happy. I want to clarify, I I there are parts of my life, there's a lot of things that I've been through that are, are very traumatic. But one of the main things I try to block out of my life is Transformers 2. That was probably one of the most traumatic moments of my life um (laughs) um, we i I try to just ignore that that movie ever happened because i don't know if you know the history behind this again chad i'm bringing you up to speed here that happened during the writer's strike oh okay so michael bay thought it was a good idea instead of putting production on hold and paramount pictures probably thought it was a good idea instead of putting production on hold to you know have michael bay finish the script and, you know, whoever he had left, you know, whatever PA he had probably there on the set, um, finished the script. And it was it was horrible. It was terrible. It was awful. Um, there were racist robots and... Um, Stupid college roommates. Yeah, it was just, you know, a, a femme bot that that was a human but it was and she lasted about 10 minutes it was horrible she was kind of pointless it was terrible it was such a huge departure from the first movie the third movie brought it back a little bit um they they did they did a good a better job with three i think four was okay i think it was fine they tried to kind of semi-reboot it with four i'm still amazed that michael bay is attached to these movies he's recently said he's 
doing five and maybe six and and six is going to be a bumblebee centric only movie which i think is weird but whatever i think they're kind of floundering at this point in time but i'm always going to go see a transformers movie i as long as it's not like two again i'm fine with it is michael bay the most heartfelt oscar worthy director no but he's he is a big boom blow things up director everybody knows what they're getting when they go see a movie is don't expect the most thought-provoking movie of the year he tried that with pearl harbor and it was a good movie i enjoyed pearl harbor but i think people give him a lot more crap than it deserves especially in the realm of transformers Mm -hmm. and i think because people probably think of the second one but i think three and four were fine i'm excited for five six is also announced and it's going to be a bumblebee only movie so bumblebee's cute that's fine I, I am a huge fan of Bumblebee. As soon as that movie came out, I went out and bought a real Transformer Bumblebee <laughs> and started playing with it. I also got an Ironhide because I love his cannons. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, well, the last thing I wanted to go over, uh, then this I, I promise this is it. I think this is the third thing you said is the last thing. <laughs> no, it's not. Has it? Yes. Yeah. Fairly certain. I thought I said the last couple of things. The no, last no. thing you said was the last no, thing. No, we can just go out and edit that out and make <laughs> me sound smarter. <laughs> And if I know Faith, she won't edit that out. So, um, this is, I promise, the very last thing. Uh, I just wanted to go over really quick uh, this weekend's box office results. I don't know if this is something we want to do every podcast, but I, I, I wanted to go over the obvious box office bomb this weekend uh, that none of us were probably surprised by Gods of Egypt. That bomb. looks like the Completely. worst movie ever. Yeah, I, I didn't see anything. That looked the least bit redeeming about it. It was so reminiscent of the horrible CG from the prequel movies. I mean, just, it was like flat Mm -hmm. and fake looking. I, I, and the content just didn't really interest me. Yeah, the trailer that I saw, like, he opens up a window or like blinds or something like that, and it, it just looked amazingly fake to me. There was like a big fat beetle in the background with a saddle on his back. It could have been just painted on the wall. Apparently, yeah. Jeffrey Rush is up in space as Ra the whole time. Apparently, lives in a spaceship. So, Stargate, anybody? I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, yeah, it looked it looked horrible. I, I have a morbid curiosity and fascination with uh, Alex Poirous. I don't know how you say his last name. He did Knowing, and that movie was decent up until the last five minutes. But I actually in, thoroughly enjoyed iRobot, which he also directed, I believe, with Will Smith back in the early 2000s that was a fun movie um but i i I robots really it for me with him but so i have a i have a morbid curiosity with him but goodness gracious how in the world he got uh gerald butler and 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 gerard butler gerard butler what did i say gerald butler gerard butler um to be in this and the was the guy from game of thrones to be in this well just to be fair i don't think gerard butler is like the go-to A-list actor. Yeah, for, he's not. He um, was, movie. I mean, he was great in The Olympus Has Fallen. He's going to yeah. be in London Has Fallen. But he, his stock isn't really that high. That's true. He used to be... He he went from action, action... Romantic after comedy, romantic comedy. a bunch of Catherine Heigl romantic comedies. and Yeah, he's, so... Yeah, he's no, like, Angela Lansbury A-list. I'll tell you that. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Angela Lansbury. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, this, again, third weekend in a row... Deadpool is is raking in 31.5. It's in number one spot. Even though Gods of Egypt technically bombed because it apparently cost um, about $140 million to produce, um, <laughs> it only made 
what what is that? 140 and 14 million. That's that's a pretty easy percentage, isn't it? What is that like? 10 percent. 10 percent. Yeah, I mean it's 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 only made 10 percent. I mean, budget. yesterday I guessed that it might make 25, and you were way off. I was way that off. That was yeah. that was generous. <laughs> But I mean, it's still it was in second place. Deadpool did double that in its third weekend. Deadpool, crazy side point again. Apparently, its total domestic cume is six hundred and nine point eight million dollars right now, um, which is I mean I'm sorry that was its worldwide domestic. It's 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 made by two eighty five, but it's that's that's crazy for an, any R rated movie in general. Period. Let alone a, a comic book movie one. That's it. All right, so we know this podcast has been really movies heavy, um, but I just want to touch a base on a couple of things happening in the TV world. I watch a lot of television shows. I think I counted up to like 60-some that I watched throughout the year. That's sad. So I will kind of jump in and out of a few of these. I'll post some of the shows that I'm watching. Let me know if you're watching any of the shows that I am, and I would love to bring that into the conversation. Um, but one shows, show I watch is Bones. It's in its millionth season. We just found out that it's going to have its final season. Millionth. Yes, it's millionth. It's, it's <laughs> gone on for a really long time. Um, but it's going... It got renewed for its final season. So next year will be the end. Last year, they actually tied everything up in a nice little bow at the end. Yeah, I was surprised it didn't end Yeah, it was a beautiful ending point. And then, oh, wow, we've got to come back and solve this crime. So it's been, it's been good this season. It's kind of getting to that point where it's a little tired. So I'm happy that they finally it's are time. ending it. I'm a big fan of a five-season show. I think five mm-hmm. seasons, you can tell all the story you need to tell. If it goes longer than that, it's it's a little exhausting. Um, Not I've been even watched, full seasons, like 13 episodes. Yeah, 13 episode seasons, five seasons, I'm good. Um, I've been watching Supernatural forever. I've watched every episode of Supernatural, and it had a beautiful five-season story arc. It was designed for five seasons. Eric Kripke said it from the beginning. And at the end of that fifth season, it could have ended and it would have been just perfect. And he left, right? Yeah, and he left. Yeah. He, he was the showrunner. He left. And he's still a producer on the show. I think he still has credits on it. But uh, it keeps going on and on. So um, you'll hear me kind of talk about the, the seasons again Please let us know how long you think season should be. Are you a fan of the summer season, uh, 13 episodes, six episode season? The Netflix season. The <laughs> Netflix season where they just give it to you all at once? Or do you still like the 22, 23 episode seasons that are out there? Chad, we're going to have to talk to you about... I actually watch a lot of the same episodes Faith watches, but um, or shows, I should say. Uh, there's, there's actually very few shows that I watch that you don't watch like Walking Dead, Better Call Saul, something I watch. You watch Better Call Saul as well, oh, yeah. right? I watch Better Call Saul. But you most recently watched the season premiere of Fuller House yes. on Netflix. Yes. So what is what is your quick take on that? Yes, do, me, up, do us a quick review. On yeah, that. I got up yesterday morning and saw that that had been put on Netflix and I thought, oh, what the heck. It was just sort of exactly what I thought it would be. Um, I thought that it was just... So poorly written <laughs> and not acted very well, over the top corny. Um, so like the original series, <laughs> yeah, but but just dripping with nostalgia to the point that I just couldn't stop watching yeah. it. I mean, I just kept going with it, and everybody was back except the Olsen twins, and mm-hmm. so I didn't 
have any love loss for me there. <laughs> um, and, Which one would they bring back? <laughs> right, right. I mean, they even brought back uh, John Stamos's twins that were on the show. Yeah, I yeah. saw that they I were going through that. Years yeah. ago. They even brought them back. I mean, it just extremely predictable plot. Yeah. Um, so basically, that, it's it, like The Force Awakens for you. Where it's exactly like a new hope. Yes, yes. That, <laughs> okay. You know, that's okay. actually a, a very good way to put it. It was almost exactly like that. Uh, the house but, awakens. <laughs> right. <laughs> the house awakens. But like I said, I just kept watching because it was one of those things. You know, it was so nostalgic, and I knew all the characters, and <clears throat> excuse me, and, and all that. So I just, I just couldn't stop watching it. But I haven't made it past the pilot i don't oh, okay. know if it i was gonna gets, ask if you watched i don't know if it gets different or any but i i read a description for a next episode that sounded exactly like one that took place in 1987 so yeah. you know so it, but i've also seen a lot of people posting stuff about it online that they've been watching what's there and and they feel sort of the same way that it's just dripping with nostalgia and they love it and you know, so if, if that's, I'm excited to watch it, I, I, I mean, and if that's what it's meant for, if that's its its mission with stuff is just entertainment with that, and people like it, that's pretty cool. Much yeah. much to my shame, I found myself watching the unofficial, the story behind the scenes of Full House on Lifetime, uh, not so <laughs> long ago. I'm not happy to admit that, but um, I got sucked into it. And ever since then, I had I had started recording old reruns of Full House on Nick at Night or. Whatever it is now, <laughs> the fact that Full House is on Nick at Night makes me feel really old. But yeah, yeah um, that should make us all feel extremely the, old. The timing was perfect because now this is coming out, um, and so yeah, I'm, I'm. It's getting terrible reviews, but you know what? So did the original series when it first came oh, out. Sure. It got horrible reviews, yet managed to be on the air for what five or six seasons and eight. Oh eight. Oh gosh, I was way off. So yeah, so I mean, you know, good for them. I I hope they I hope the cast realize that because I know John Stamos himself has I think he's a producer on the show yeah, actually. He's, he's, he's been pushing for this big time. Like yeah. he's well, and and I will say like all the cast getting back together. That's huge. Well, it, it is huge, and they all seemed incredibly happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, they they've said in many interviews that they have stayed really close yeah. during this whole time. Yeah. And, you know, at, at the end of the episode, at, at the, the end of the credits, the show was dedicated to the memory of Bob Saget, John Stamos, Dave Coulier, and Jeff Franklin, who was is the the producer of it. It was dedicated to the memory of all of their moms. Oh, that was That's nice. Sweet. I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say them. Then, I was like... Uh-huh. Yeah, and it even said then they would have loved this. Uh-huh. And, I mean, you can tell they're still a family. Yeah. I think it's just as much... You know about them just getting back together and having some fun with this, as it is anything else. So yeah, um, and like I said, everybody looked really happy doing it. You're you're gonna have to watch it. I'll be very anxious. They to probably hear. had a blast. Yeah, I'm anxious yeah. to hear both of your takes on it. If you feel sort of the same way, and um, you know, there was there's one part in particular when they mention why uh, you know the Olsen twins aren't there that mm. I found to be particularly funny. Oh, good. Um, good. So yeah, so you'll have to you have to watch it. I'm anxious to hear what you all think of it. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that maybe in the next podcast. Yeah, I know. You know, there was Boy Meets World, mm-hmm. 
which was a great show. Mm -hmm. And now they have the Girl Meets World on Disney Channel. And it's fun revisiting those characters and then passing the baton to the new generation. They brought back most of the original characters, too, actually. Yeah, I mean, they brought Mr. Feeney. They brought back the parents. parents, uh, The random brother that I didn't even remember existed in the last season. (laughs) Nobody did. (laughs) (laughs) So that show has been really successful in its own right. So I hope Fuller House can take a note from that. I think it's interesting that it's on Netflix. Did you notice any differences with it being on Netflix? Did it feel a little different or did it feel exactly like the old episodes? It felt just exactly like the the original, except it was longer. I I didn't look to see if the other episodes are, but I mean, the pilot episode was 35 minutes long. Maybe it was a double Um, episode. Well, or an episode and a half. (laughs) I mean, it it was just sort of an extended episode with that. But of course, with it being a Netflix series, they can do that. I mean, yeah. they're, they're not confined to a a, a time frame with yeah. anything like that. So that's kind of cool. So, but but it really didn't have a different feel to it. I mean, the set is even the same. I mean, they yeah. yeah I thought it was there. odd that they were moving back into the same house. I thought it was going to be the same story but a different house. So when I saw that first trailer of Comet kind of going by or Comet. You know, five point oh. Comet's grandson. Comet Junior. Comet Junior. Junior. Okay. <laughs> Spoilers. Wasn't, I wasn't sure how long that had been, um, but I was surprised to see that it was the same house. Yeah. So that and was so, interesting. Yeah. There's a, there's a few updates to the set. I um, hope so because that kitchen was straight out of the nineties. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it it looks it all looks basically the same. I mean, even down to the the red light in the the ceiling going downstairs. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. studio. We need to get one of those by the yeah. way. Yeah, um, <laughs> but now, like the stained glass window in the living room behind the couch has been replaced with some other kind of window, and uh, it, I mean, so there's uh, there's a couple little updates that that okay. Danny Tanner has hmm. done to the house over the last you know twenty years since we've seen them, but uh, you know by and large it was extremely recognizable. Wow. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so like I, I'm very, very anxious to hear what you all thought yeah, of it. Yeah, I think everyone's pretty much aged very well mm-hmm. yeah. on that yeah. show. Even so, Kimmy. Yeah. yeah <laughs> well, John Stamos hasn't aged today. No, I think they keep him in a cryo same. chamber every mm-hmm. night. <laughs> DJ is really coming around, in my opinion. I, oh, was, I was shocked. DJ she, looked just wonderful. She was on Dancing with the Stars a couple like months ago or last year or something. I, I caught a glimpse of her. I couldn't believe that was her. She's just... Yeah, she's held up pretty well. Yeah, DJ and Stephanie <laughs> looked just fine. Yeah, yeah, there were there was no problems there. Yeah, uh, Dave Coyier and Bob Saget are the ones that look like they have aged the most. Yeah, um, and you know, but but even then, it's just they still they look pretty good, and they all seem like they were having a great time. Well, it's Netflix, so chances are by the time the next podcast rolls around, we'll watch the entire season, all all three of us. Yeah, we'll have a spoiler cast. Yeah, right? I mean, spoiler house. Not. <laughs> yeah, I've already seen the you know our friend Crystal has watched the entire thing. Yeah, I think she just binge watched all of. How it. many episodes are there? Oh gosh, it's probably thirteen. I think there's thirteen. Okay, yeah, that's kind of seems to be Netflix's attention. sweet spot with all their series. Yeah, so. but this is the first half hour series. I think yeah, and this done, is the right? first comedy I've watched on Netflix, original comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm anxious to I, see how it goes. I've been kind of impressed with the Netflix programming. Mm-hmm. I was a little skeptical of that when they started doing it, but I gotta admit, we'll we'll have to say that happy. we'll have to say that for another podcast. There's a whole Netflix discussion there and how they don't have to pay for advertising and 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 how that works out and how how that might actually be the future of a lot of TV stuff. And mm-hmm. I think there's a discussion there to have maybe a different podcast, but 
Well, any any other TV stuff? Um, I think that's it for TV mainly. Um, just some of the shows really quick that I'm interested in. I love Grimm. Um, really? iZombie is one of my favorite shows. I think she's got a really Grimm. cool character that she's able to reinvent every single week. You um, said it's your new psych, right? Yeah, it's my new psych. I was a really big fan of Psych on USA. It's basically the exact same premise, except for being super observant and being able to pick out the clues. She eats people's brains and, and gets clues that way. But it's a really awesome Deep show. Deep stuff. Yeah. Deep stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's It's got its overarching story, but... Each episode is really, really cool because she, she gets their personalities. So if I were her, Rose McIver, I think it would be like the coolest thing to be that character on TV. Um, just some other shows, Downton Abbey. Finishing up next week, maybe I'll have a little oh, a little reminiscent episode. I don't you think these guys... Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a moment of silence for Downton Abbey. <laughs> in front of the microphone, you might you might get an hour-long podcast yeah. of Faith just crying into the microphone. Um <laughs> Yeah, and, and I also like reality TV. I watch The Bachelor, The Voice, um, American Idol final season. Just here and there. I'm kind of all over the place. I, I'm not really choosy. I just kind of, if I like it, I'll watch it forever. She also tends to make up theme songs for shows that only have instrumentals. Yes. So uh, um, maybe we'll One of my favorite of shows is uh, Person of Interest, and it's Person of Interest. <laughs> And it always goes along with the music as well. Yeah, so, I just kind of, works. I kind of like to do that. You so know, I'm sure I'll bring those every once in a while. I dearly, dearly miss the the age when TV shows had theme songs. Right? Oh yeah. I mean, when we were younger, they all did, and in the '90s, they phased that out. And yeah. I really miss that. Well, I Chad and I grew up. D- together in the same town and we had like this little band and we just thought we were the coolest kids because we knew all the words to green acres and mr ed <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and gilligan's island man we would just sing that all the time um, what about jim jim and the holograms jim and the holograms yeah. theme from green acres to somebody the other day i sing it often yeah, to myself uh, it was yeah somebody asked something about that and i knew that and the judges sing on American Idol during auditions this year really? all together. Yeah. I was like, hey, I used to do that. I watched that show intermittently when I stayed over at my grandmother's house when I was a kid. She had cable and that was huge. Was, and I remember yeah. watching Green Acres, reruns of Green Acres, Bewitched, and I Dream of Jeannie on So Nick now you kind of have to make up your own theme song or else you're just not going to have one. Yeah, everything's too serious nowadays. And Green yeah. Acres was a great show. It was corny and fun. And yep. that's another discussion that we need to have on the podcast at some point in the future is. Uh, you know, it, it was still doing quite well, and, and a number of shows um, on CBS were doing quite well at that era, and they were all canceled at the same time. Hmm. It was called The Rural Purge. Really? Uh, yes, yeah, CBS went through, and they, they canceled all, quote, rural-oriented programming. So Beverly Hillbillies and the Green Beverly Acres. Hillbillies and... was canceled, Green Acres, Mayberry RFD. Um, there was a number of shows. Is that like this, a spinoff Andy Griffith? Yeah, it was it was what the Andy Griffith show became once he left the series. Oh, they did spinoffs back then too. And, huh? Oh yeah, they they've been doing <laughs> wow. spinoffs since the very beginning. But <laughs> um, but it's interesting to look at that because they you know, CBS made a conscious decision that they didn't want to focus on what they thought was this shrinking rural demographic, no matter how well the shows might have been performing, and yeah. some of them weren't. And but they replaced them with. Um, more hard-hitting urban comedies and dramas like the Mary Tyler Moore Show and All in the Family, mm. 
and you know With things that became and, yeah. classics on their own. So it's it, mm-hmm. it's a neat discussion that we should have. Well, whatever they point. did, it's still working because CBS is killing everybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. that was around the time that CBS gained its nickname of the Tiffany Network because it was you know, the way that they were trying to do programming was. Yeah, much higher level and oh, yeah. putting okay. more money into it and all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, we can talk about that and, and the fact that, you know, my my crush that I had on I Dream of Jeannie, because when I was a six-year-old, I didn't really understand that that was an old show on reruns and that lady was really like 80 years old then. So when I found that out, it disturbed me. We can talk about that too, because that'll be a funny discussion. But yeah, anything else? Yeah. I think that's it for TV. For TV? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to touch on too much with, with video games this week. I, like I said, I know we've gone extremely long. Um, I'll, I'll talk about some games I like to play. I, I'm going to warn you guys right off the bat, I'm all for talking about Xbox stuff, but this my household is a PlayStation household. It always has been. But we, we started Chad's video game education last night, uh, brought him up to speed on, on some games like Bioshock and Uncharted, and I continue to do that. And he, he actually I kind of gave him some enlightenment as far as how cinematic games are getting and how motion capture plays in the games as much as they do movies and like like if you listen to our sizzle reel you'll actually hear us say a line there that we think the movie the, the world of movies tv and video games are blending together as a singular art form and 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 you know it's kind of the whole you know basis for our show so um you know we we each have our our pause point and and where our, our our primary source of entertainment is and i think with chad it's movies with faith it's tv with me it's video games it's it's the first thing we go to if we have the choice um so we we are going to talk about that and 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 hopefully they'll intersect at a lot of points especially as time moves on the quality of tvs is getting more movie like and movies is tying into to tv with with stuff like marvel and stuff that we talked about and and video games are getting more cinematic now yes there's still the mario brothers video games and you know the raymans and the kids kids games and stuff like that on wii and wii u but um but yeah there's the the types of games that i actually enjoy playing are the more cinematic story driven type of type of stuff so we'll we'll get into that um the big thing that i really just quickly wanted to touch on that i'm sure faith is extremely excited about that just recently got announced is uh, I think I found your your next game you're going to be playing Faith. It's the uh, Lego Star Wars Episode Seven. Just got announced. It's going to be coming out this summer. I am a fan of the Lego games. Yeah. I played all the Star Wars Lego games, um, Harry Potter Lego, a little bit of Lord of the Ring, Rings Lego. But yeah, I'm really excited to play this one, especially if it has the gameplay with the split screen. That was one of the things that bothered me with the old Star Wars games. So if they've updated this, I am really excited. But I you also the like the the split screen movie scene to scene driven Lego games as opposed to like the open world type. Yeah, the like open Batman world. Or... I I kind of get lost in the weeds. I spend too much time collecting ghost coins, and they just keep reappearing and. It, it's a little too much for me in side missions. I like just doing the story and going on my way. And I like to platinum those. And it's really hard to platinum open world. Me me and Faith are, are kind of into the video games. Chad, not so much. Maybe he'll get there. But we, me and Faith, actually, we, we play a couple of games together that we... I love playing Lego games. And I don't mind, you know, having a new platinum trophy every now and then. So we, we'll play those together sometimes if, if we have time. I, I think one of the games we talked about... Live streaming recently is something we'll we'll be doing is uh, is uh, Tomb Raider, which which Tomb Raider is the Egyptian one? 
It's not the it's not the Tomb Raider proper games. It's the um, yeah. It's more like a cooperative game. It's the cooperative game that Crystal Dynamics put out. I forget what it's called. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Of Temple fun. of Osiris or something like yeah. that. So and really, the only other game I play is Ratchet and Clank. I love Ratchet and Clank. A lot of fun. I again, I'm trying to platinum these, and these time puzzles are killing me. But that's a lot of fun for me. I just like the little character, the Lombax and the robot. If there's a robot, and it makes beep beep boop noises. I love it. R two D two, BB eight. Clank, they're all my faves. I think that brings us to the end of this podcast. So uh, we encourage you to follow us on Twitter at pause underscore points. Check us out on Facebook at pause points podcast. And we also, of course, have our website, pausepointspodcast.com. Uh, Joe is going to be live streaming a little bit on Twitch. So you can just search pause points podcast there. If you have any questions for us, that is questions at pausepointspodcast.com email. And if you like what you're hearing, please support us on Patreon. We have a whole page over there, and we'll be uploading videos soon to that. And rate us on iTunes. That's a great way for us to get our word out there. So the higher we are on iTunes, the more people have a chance to hear us. So subscribe. Yes, please subscribe. (laughs) We would really like to make this uh, as interactive as possible so that we can help tailor the listening experience for all of you that are out there. You know, we want to make this something that's as just as enjoyable for you to listen to as it is for us to produce. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.